Welcome to this episode of the Vegan Family Podcast. I'm very excited. We have a very special guest for our Mother's Day episode here. This is Tawny Preisner. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. We get to talk about vegan lifestyle, horses, and kids. So, yes, three of my favorite topics. Awesome. <laughs> And um, your story is so interesting to me because, you know, it's a little different from, I think, coming from a farm animal advocacy point of view where, you know, at least for me, I sit at a desk and, um, you know, I love to get out in the world and be with animals sometimes, but you're doing that every day. Mm -hmm. And also your parenting journey is really interesting and unique. And I think it'll be really fun to hear about that too. So yeah. you have a you have a horse rescue. Yes, um, it's yeah. a humane society for horses. And um, I was homeschooled growing up, raised in a vegan home. Um, and we did eat honey, though. That was the one thing. <laughs> but um, vegan other than that. And um, my parents always taught me and my brother, you know, be compassionate to animals. And at an early young age, my mom would take me to livestock auctions and we would rescue bill calves and wow. just day old calves. And it's, it, they were so sick. And, you know, at the end of their, they were trying to struggle to stay alive and we would try to rescue them and bring them back. And it was a really hard thing because like they were so far gone by the time we got them, they didn't make it. But I learned that even if you rescue an animal and it's just for, a little short amount of time you can do all that you can do to show kindness to that animal in that short time so early on my mom had me rescuing animals um you know it wasn't like oh we're gonna go rescue a calf it's just it's something we just did because we loved animals so much and wanted to try to help them yeah so it's that's so interesting because i think you know for the vast majority of people who come to understanding what happens to animals being wanting to protect animals veganism we absolutely did not grow up that way. It's something that for most of us, we have to kind of teach ourselves and undo some of the habits or the assumptions that we all grew up with, but your story is different. You were able to jump right into it. So what was that like? What was your parents' motivation for being vegan or how did they explain um, that to you? Yeah, so there was actually a lady um, in the 1800s, her name was Ellen White and she was promoting veganism back in the 1800s okay. and adoption to animals. Um, so she was like early, early animal rights movement um, in the 1800s of saying, you know, we need to eat a plant-based diet. And, you know, like one of her, her quotes that she says is, you know, how can somebody raise an animal and then basically slit its throat? Like, how can you, that animal trust you and rate, you know? So anyways, my yeah. parents read a lot of her writings and said, you know, this is the best you know, a plant-based diet is the best. Um, so my mom and dad, when they got married, they decided that they were going to be vegan when they got married. And that was in the 70s. And um, which would be very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> like now it's so easy to be vegan. And when I was growing up, I remember you know you had a little tiny section at the store where you could shop. Um so they raised me and my brother vegan. And um, so just the main thing was that compassion towards animals and that they, they were never considered food in our family. Um, 
And then, you know, later in life, I was taking a, a FEMA class and I was talking about disasters and what to do with the food supply. And I totally failed that class. And I was thinking, I wasn't thinking animals at all <laughs> because I, it's never been in my mind that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I'm imagining people's questions who maybe don't already have vegan children or didn't grow up that way, but what, I mean, what kind of challenges did you expect or did you, did you face the kinds of challenges people might expect a vegan child to face in terms of, let's say, fitting in with friends or feeling like you really wanted to communicate this message about how, how animals are treated and being frustrated that other people weren't getting it? Like, is that a lot? And I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here because of course I'm raising my own vegan yeah. children and they seem very happy about the whole thing. But, I, but what now as an adult looking back on that, I remember, yeah, I do remember, uh, you know, growing up, you know, going to Taco Bell and, you know, friends and cousins, you know, eating cheese and, and stuff. And I, for me, it just, the sliminess of cheese, I don't know, it's stringy, like, I'm like, oh, nasty. Yeah. But I always remember telling them, like, oh, you should be eating that. And they were, they were like, oh, it's so good. Um, but, you know, I was raised um, seven amnest. I'm still seven amnest. And... Mm -hmm as a uh, church, it tries to be plant-based. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of my friends were vegetarians, um, maybe not vegan, but vegetarians. So that did make it easier uh, growing up in that versus, you know, especially like going to public school and stuff that would yeah. have been way more difficult. Um, but it was, I think, you know, one of my friends growing up, you know, she raised pigs for butcher and she had an FFA cow and she was raising him. And I remember being there one day when her, her leader, her H leader or whatever was there, you know, they were looking him over and they were, they were describing where the different parts of meat would be on him, like T-bone or whatever. I'm, I was I remember sitting there looking at, and I'm just like, Oh, it just seems so barbaric to me. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like, Oh buddy, you're, you're sounding better all the time. And I'm just like, Oh, so for me, just, it was never a concept of growing up, you know, first people that grow up and eat meat. It, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's just a completely different uh, thing. I would never, you know, if, if an animal died when, you know, like those calves, when I was, when it died, it was like, you know, okay, you know, we don't, I couldn't imagine somebody butchering it at that point. It was, you know, it's, it's gone yeah. now, everything we could, and now we're going to bury it. Um, versus, you know, looking at an animal being like, well, it's going to get big enough when we're going to yeah. take it out. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of different. And this is kind of neat because I've never um, really done a podcast or anything. People have asked, oh, are you vegan? And I've talked a little bit about it. Um, so when you invited me, I was like, yeah, this will, this will be neat because um, it's, it's something I'm very passionate about. But um you know, it's, it's, it's just so hard to think about all the animals out there that are just heartlessly, brutally killed to be slaughtered yeah. for human consumption. It's just, it, it just, it's hard to even comprehend the number of animals that are tortured to death just so somebody yeah. can have something to eat on their dinner plate when there's so many vegan options out there. Right, right. And it, it is so fascinating to hear your story because you, you didn't have to kind of undo some of that initial programming which would make like I think I think about kind of my own childhood and 
you know, always being told like, well, what you're saying is sort of like radical or out of the norm yeah. or whatever. And, it, you know, it just, it, it would have been so great just to have the ideas out on the table for their own merit rather than, you know, having to kind of swim upstream to be like, no, my idea is actually the better one, even though everyone else is doing things differently. So it's so interesting to hear your perspective about, you know, growing up that way. And then the rescue is so interesting. Like, how did you, did you just, you know, have a big yard or live in a rural area and be able to like, just bring these calves home? Like that would have been amazing. I'm, I'm thinking about my, I grew up in Chicago. Like I'm, I used to just wish that I could like, you know, find a stray animal or something and take care of it and stuff. But that wasn't, I mean, we had, you know, cats that were around yeah. the neighborhood, but that was just about it. Yeah. So, um, I come from a long line of animal lovers and I'm actually, um, sixth generation, a vegetarian, vegan. Wow. Okay. So, uh, way back, back when it was it, my generation family just kind of latched on to that, you know, animals are, we should need to be compassionate to them. So I have a long line of major crazy animal lovers in my, in my history. Um, my uh, great grandpa um, absolutely loved goats. And so he was, he was like the goat man. And and then I hear way back even further when my ancestors were coming over um, and they were in New York and they came over and they brought goats with them and they stuck them in the bathtub in some apartment way back when, when they came over on a ship for I'm like, oh my. I love it. Wait, how did this story get passed down? Who's, who it was like, just passed on to my, my great grandpa. He talked about his, his, you know, I don't know if it was his grandparents or when they came to America, they brought goats and they had them hiding them in the the apartment bathtub. Wow, so, so it's in your DNA to be ready to have animals. Yes. Yeah. So my grandpa had he always had goats and he kept them. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of farmers, um, you know, he would I remember my grandpa had this really old nanny goat and you know, she was kind of arthritic and but he took care of her just as good as any of his other goats and just, you know, he respected her mm -hmm. and, you know, all his animals. So that was a big thing. And they, we always lived in the countryside. And so when I was four, um, we ended up moving up by, um, out of Chico, California. Mm -hmm. And there was an auction up there in Orland. And so that's when I was, I probably from, four on my mom would go there and we'd get goats and stuff too but um i calves were my my big soft spot i loved whenever we go there i'd just go in the calf pen and want to hang out with them yeah we just had a recent um calf rescue through one of our investigations um and kind of watching the story of one of them actually was two one of them didn't make it one of them is at animal place sanctuary so okay. watching them him get older and stuff and yeah. it's always nice when that's part of it okay so uh, i mean i've sort of half answered my own question here about how did you get into having this horse rescue but um you know it, it seems like it was it was almost faded but <laughs> um but what was the you know the occasion that kind of brought you to that yeah. So it was nothing I ever planned. Um, like, oh, I'm going to go do this and this is what's what's going to happen. It kind of just happened. Like, I think a lot of people like probably foster mm -hmm. and being adopted pet owner. Like it wasn't planned. It just kind of happened. So, um, you know, always having animals through my life and 
um, you know, having a connection with them. And then um, I did get in a really bad horse accident when I was nine or 10. And I, my dream was to be a veterinarian or mm-hmm. you know, vet tech or something. But when I did get kicked in the head, it um, kind of dent back there and people feel they're like, oh, it's weird. Um, but that did really affect my ability for reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I was to describe it, it would be more like if you hear somebody stuttering, mm-hmm. it's like, if I'm reading it quietly to myself, it's it's much smoother. But if I'm trying to read it out loud, it's like almost like yeah. I can't get out what's being. So I knew then that probably uh, going down the veterinarian path wasn't going to work well for me. Um, but I, you know, still have my animals growing up through teens. And then when I was um, eighteen, uh, I actually got married to my. I, I met. Him, my husband when I was nine and somehow I was like, Oh, he's the one when I was nine. I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> but anyways, um, nine years after I met him, we got married and I didn't have a horse at the time. And, um, one of the auctions I've never been to, but when I was growing up, our neighbor was a killer who was shipping horses to slaughter and he would always go to this one auction and get horses. So I said, you know, I'll go to this auction where I know there's horses and I'll get a horse for myself. And so I got this, this beautiful horse. She's only four years old. And I trained her to to ride and everything. She was just so wonderful. And I was like, there's so many more horses like her that mm-hmm. have a horrible fate just because somebody didn't care to train them. And they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. So I went ahead and even though my whole plan and goal and everything was to keep her, went ahead and rehomed her and then I was able to go back and get more horses. And, and then it just, I mean, after that, it was like, I need to be, I need, we need to make this into a rescue. And I was thinking really small back then. So it was NorCal equine rescue for Northern California. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, I mean, we're, we've, we're nationwide. Um, I mean, just this year we've helped horses in 25 different States. Wow. So we were changed to horse plus humane society um, back in 2010, uh, I think it was. And so just every year we just try to rescue and, and help as many horses as we can. Um, and, you know, I think, I think everything that happened, you know, growing up the way, you know, I was with animals and, um, you know, even saying goodbye to some of those calves that we were trying to save. I think it kind of really made me a big picture thinker. Sometimes when you rescue an animal, you're just there, to be with that animal in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we used to go to horse auctions and I would kind of pick and choose who we thought we could rescue and find a home for and just leave everyone else there. And they would they'd load up on the kill truck. And this one, one day there were these two sweet old horses and they both had medical problems and I knew I couldn't find them a home. And I, they came through the auction range, I didn't bid on them, they sold cheap. And I'm like, oh, I hope somebody got them. And then um, they, after the auction, I watched them load up on the slaughter truck. And I was like, you know, this is this is so wrong. I Just because they're not adoptable doesn't mean that we shouldn't at least show them compassion. Um, because, you know, if, if a dog or cat owner had a, a dog or cat that had medical problems and was suffering, they would, you know, a responsible owner would take them to the vet 
make that decision for humane euthanasia vet office and give that animal respect and dignity and not just dump it and make money off of it in the end. So from that time on, we've rescued every horse we can financially every month from auctions and then bring them back to our shelter and have our veterinarian work with us on making those decisions if it's not an adoptable horse. Because so many people take horses to auctions that, you know, suffering from cancer and all these problems, lameness, and they don't deserve to go to slaughter. Mm-hmm. Just not adoptable. So it's just trying to show compassion to as many animals as we can, find homes for the ones we can, and then for those that are are suffering and have no other option, just being there for them in the end and showing them compassion. So I know a lot of people don't really get it, um, but they're not where I'm at. They're not seeing these horses load up on slaughter trucks. You know, if if you're actually there seeing this happening and realizing you have the power to prevent that that horrendous suffering that these horses are going to go through and, and give them vet care. Um, you know, it really, you know, it's, it's something that people on the internet just, they'll never be able to fully understand looking in and watching. And we do have a TV show and it's, it's out there. We put it out as much as we can, but there's nothing like being there firsthand and filling the, the reality of it. Yeah. Well, you know, and horses are so special in a way because, you know, you talk about the kind of divide people have their dogs and cats. And then, you know, we talk about veganism and not wanting to, you know, eat that calf or Mm -hmm. other animals, right? And horses are in this kind of weird middle ground because, you know, in some ways they are sort of special, like the way people consider, you know, their dogs and cats to be, but also, yeah, people just kind of discard them and send them off to a slaughterhouse. And if you ever look at horse slaughter footage I mean it's you know there's something like I mean I'm you know sort of biased obviously because I've watched so much slaughter footage in my life but you know all slaughter footage is really disturbing but um there's something to me about horses like I remember when I first started doing work to help animals after law school I would get some side cases about dogs and cats and I think I had a different attitude about what I expected with dogs and cats, like, and so then when some person was, you know, had a terrible attitude or just sent a dog for euthanasia, even though, even though that's not even what it is, right? If somebody wants to take an animal like that, they're not euthanizing, they're just killing them. Um, You know, that got to me in a way that was almost worse than the other cases I was working on where it was tens of thousands of animals being killed because I expect people to do better around certain kinds of animals, even though it's totally irrational that we have those norms, but we do have those norms, mm-hmm. right? Like if if you're a person who is actively mean to a dog, like you are, <laughs> you are a bad person, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have expectations in our society where, you know, there's so much horrible things going on with cows and pigs and turkeys and chickens and fish right farming but it's hidden you know Mm -hmm. and horses are this interesting like way to unlock that connection i think because they have sort of a foot in both places and especially i would guess for kids and i don't know how your experience has been because you say some people kind of don't get it where you'd want to have that compassionate attitude towards the animals and give them that you know end of life care that they deserve and you know really kind of nurture them And I would think that would be very intuitive to children, especially because horses are so like 
I, at least myself as a kid, and I know a lot of other kids who just were really drawn to horses. I mean, you know, it is crazy how drawn to horses I was as a city kid. <laughs> I think every little girl, there's some connection they want to make with a horse. I think it's just born yeah. into somehow. Uh, they want that connection. Every little girl, I think. I, I don't think, there's probably a very, very small percentage of girls out there who wouldn't want to have a horse. Yeah. Yeah. And my boys, you know, they really love that too. You know, even just being able to look at them, like, you know, out a car window, right? Everybody's so excited. Like there's certain animals that I think there's a natural sense of being excited and connected immediately. Dogs, um, you know, I think horses, I think like when I moved out here to Southern California, I still feel this way about like dolphins and whales, right? Like when I see them out in the world. So there, so, you know, even though I think of course, all animals are really deserving of that compassion and that kind of sense of, of connectedness. I think recognizing the fact that people have this natural, they're naturally drawn to horses and that they're kind of in both camps um, is an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to educate people and say, well, you love this this horse so much. Like, what about the cows? What about the chickens? What about the pigs? Mm -hmm. You know, And you can kind of really get people to draw out that sense of compassion for horses and then use that as a teaching opportunity. Is that something that you've noticed? Like people have that, like kids in particular have that connection with horses and that. Yeah, people. yeah, no. And I think that's, you know, something that, um, you know, for me growing up vegan, you know, when people talk about eating meat, I'm like, does it really matter what you're eating? It's, it's yeah. an animal, you know? Yeah. I mean, so it's okay to, to eat a cow, but it's not okay to eat this animal. Like. Right. How how did you come to that conclusion? Because <laughs> they're all precious animals to me. So horses are in an interesting camp in the fact that in America they are raised more for pleasure animals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like they're not quite companion animals or pet animals, but they are. They're not raised for human consumption. Mm -hmm. not, the purpose of breeding them is not to sell them for slaughter. Um, but, you know, with the dogs and cats, they're complete pets and people look at them completely different than horses. While horses are in the world of, um, you know, like every little girl's dream, they want a horse and the horse is in that world of living while it's, it's wanted, um, you know, maybe show jumping or, you know, whatever discipline it ends up going into, um, that horse is living a pretty spoiled, happy life. Mm -hmm. Something happens to that horse and I think this is where it really kind of affects me when I go to auctions because I see these horses that obviously have been really pampered and spoiled. Yeah. And then they end up in the slaughter pipeline at these auctions and they are now just treated like any, any food animal that's, I'm going to say food animal, but it's any livestock type animal mm -hmm. that's in the, the commercial factory farming kind of we're selling it we're running it yeah. through. and these these horses that you know have been loved and spoiled all their lives end up in these slaughter pipelines they're confused they don't even you know they want to follow somebody because all their life that's what they've been they've been yeah. taught you, know, you follow this little girl wherever she goes if she leads you or you and so you know then in you know the auction yards the slaughterhouses the slaughter transport trucks it's all running them into these different areas. And that's completely foreign to these horses. They, they've never had somebody behind them with a whip just chasing them down alleyways. Mm -hmm. So very, very confusing.
for these very domesticated animals that we treat as like companions and then they end up in the slaughter pipeline and it i can't imagine just the bewilderment and depression and everything else they go through because they just can't comprehend what happened yeah um, now there are more horses that are more um you know never handled maybe they're mm -hmm. just born on these 50 acres and they end up at auctions and they're they still have that fear of people they were never just domesticated to the point you know they're just so connected with people they don't know what to do without a person directing them mm -hmm. and they'll run down the streets and alleyways and and act more like you know an animal that raised in that situation but these horses that you know and you see these old horses at auctions and they i mean you know they got to have been amazing horses in their day and instead of having that compassion and love for them at the end they end up in the slaughter pipeline and you know if if dogs and cats were being exported like our our old senior horses have been that, yeah for all these kids and you know serve their owners uh like you know like a it's just it just mind it's mind-blowing to me because they're just literally thrown away to a horrendous cruel death and yeah just that's i just want to prevent that from happening for as many horses as possible yeah, well, it's such an interesting teaching opportunity, I think, because it's so profound to think about an animal that we do bring in that has this dual identity in our culture, right? Like we bring them in, you know, and and have that kind of loving relationship. And, you know, of course, I, you know, I, I spent my childhood reading all the, you know, Black Beauty. And I, Black Beauty probably actually is one of the, one of the things, books or otherwise, that really sort of woke me up to um, animal protection or animal rights ethics, right? I mean, like the amount of, you know, sadness and violence in that book, but at the same time, like that connectedness to that animal. Yeah, um, they you know, an auction when he was old, like they saved him from an auction. I was like, I, I love that story so much because I feel like I'm, I'm pulling black beauties out of that situation all the time. Yeah, can you, I mean, like, I just feel my, my like, you know, nine-year-old self being like, this is the most amazing thing you can do when you grow up. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think that it's that jarring juxtaposition, right? It's like, okay, you know, they have this life where we have sort of brought them into the world to, you know, have this connection with them. And then it's like, too bad, inconvenient. Now you're going to be thrown to this horribly violent and, you know, kind of um, anonymous uh, kind of objectification before being killed. And I think that the the fall from from that is so much more dramatic that it highlights how bad it is that we do it to all the other animals. Their whole yeah, life, right? I mean it's it's horrible for all of them. And you know, I mean, you take like a 4-H steer that's loved and pampered. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's kind of like that for, for horses. And there's a real animal control officer. And uh, she would, she was always kind of patrolling the fairgrounds because these, these cows, you know, steers, they were raised by these kids, just totally pampered. And then, you know, the livestock truck guy comes in after they've yeah. them all. And she's like, you know, they were, they've done horrendous things. She's put a stop to it you know, trying to get cows to load because it's kind of like the horse scenario. They, they don't know what you want them to do. You're, yeah. you know, some crazy guy back there whipping them or shock prodding them. And they're clueless because they, we have, we have taught them to trust us. And then somebody just comes along and betrays that trust in the cruelest yeah. ways. It's, it's just, 
Uh, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so this is sort of a left turn here, but let's get into the parenting side yeah. of things. Because I think that was a nice, like, I really felt like I kind of got a sense of like, what your life is like, and how you're kind of coming to these issues. And how does parenting children and your story to parenting children is really interesting too. you have adopted children who came through foster? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And um, sometimes I look back, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> we do all this stuff. So um, I always knew I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a lot of kids growing up. I wanted six. <laughs> that was my was. But uh, we we have four. And um, so when we we had our first child, biological child first, and um, it was 36 hours of contractions, eight hours of pushing, and then a C-section. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> That was rough. Um, and so then after that, you know, I was like, I, I don't really, and they said, you're going to have to have a C-section again. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to go through that. And we started looking at adoption because we we're like, you know, there's, there's tons of kids out there that need homes and we're always telling people adopt horses. Maybe, you know, we should look into kid adoption, not go through that whole childbirth thing. Once was enough. And so, um, we started uh, kind of researching and there was, uh, I can't remember how many thousands and thousands of kids in California that needed homes that were in mm -hmm. the foster care agency. And, you know, it's just, it's really, really sad. I mean, just like animals, there's so many animals mm -hmm. that need help, people that need help. And so um, we decided that we would adopt a sibling group uh, because we knew they were harder to place. Mm -hmm. um, and rather than just, you know, one, one child, we're like, let's, let's get a sibling group. And that way they can all stay together. So a lot of adopted kids, they, they do get split up and yeah, hard and, and large, large groups. So we adopted a sibling group and um, they were, uh, I remember the first time I went, you know, I met them and one of them was chowing down on a hot dog. I'm like, I don't want to be your last hot dog. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, we, we ended up adopting them and having them in our family. And, you know, there's challenges, um, you know, especially, you know, when they, you know, any kid from foster care easily can be exposed to drugs, alcohol, prenatally. Mm -hmm. um, some of ours were, or, you know, and that's, that's presented a lot of life challenges for them. It makes it, you know, and it's really unfair because it's not their fault that yeah. they were born with this, but Anyways, we um, when we adopted them, I knew obviously they were going to be vegan because you know that's in our family we're vegan. So um, I took them to the doctor, and they were all extremely anemic. Mm. And I'm like, oh, great, okay. And we had just gotten them, and I'm like, you know, let me. Um, it's like, well, we can put them on all these supplements and everything. I'm like, let me just um, try because their their diet's changing. Yeah. And vegan diet and vegan diet. Okay. <clears throat> See if these kids <laughs> make it, I guess it's kind of what the doctors look yeah. at. It's like, okay, these poor kids are anemic, but you're going to do your thing. Okay. So, um, when, after I got that, a doctor appointment, I'm like, okay, so they need lots of beans and lentils and like basically gave them tons and tons of, you know, food that naturally has iron in it. Yeah. Um, and I took them back to their next doctor appointment and they were all above average. And I was like, oh, see? <laughs> um, and so for changing them over from, you know, eating 
a, I guess, normal mainstream American diet to a vegan diet, it wasn't as hard as some people would um, mm -hmm. think. Um, because, I mean, vegan food is good. I mean, yeah. You know? um, they were used to constantly grazing. So that was the biggest thing is like, no, you need to sit down. This is when you eat. But um, I think the the concept that I really saw with them is, you know, they all love animals. Mm -hmm. had no concept between, you know, this little chicken or chicken in the store. Yeah. And I think so what America has done food wise is made the disconnect between, you know, this live animal that every kid loves, you know, basically every kid has this tenderness and, and softness in their heart for a fuzzy bunny rabbit or a baby chicken, or, you know, they're naturally drawn to it and they yeah. naturally want to respect it. But, and there's just a total disconnect. You go, oh, oh, it's in the grocery store. That's where it comes from. They don't put it together. And um, so, you know, really just, you know, changing their diet over and then showing them, you know, that these animals are not food animals. Yeah. Know, our, our pets, um, they're not to eat. And, you know, when it's, when an animal dies, you know, we bury it or, you know, it's not, you don't, you wouldn't want to eat that. Like, um, so, you know, and they're, they're older now when I was married and, um, you know, older teenagers and, um, you know, some of them are making their own decisions in life, but, mm -hmm. you know, when they were in our home, it's, it's, you know, we were, we're always, you know, it's my kitchen, my rules, cooked here that's my thing <laughs> so, so I mean did I don't know how young they were when you started sort of having them transition over but did they feel a sense of like yeah this is great I'm empowered or did they resist or a little bit of both like what was their journey like to being it really there? was no resistance um they were happy and um they I mean we, we had animals everywhere mm -hmm. and um they were they just I, I never remember any big resistance of anything and they were pretty young yeah um adopted them so that made it easier you know if somebody is adopting you know a kid and they're teenagers it's going to be a different scenario yeah. because they're already very connected with their food um but just you know offering good healthy food um you know yeah it's funny a lot of people who become vegetarian or vegan for the first time do it as a teenager but i think that's because that's when they can actually sort of break away from what their family is you mm -hmm. know, giving them. But yeah, yeah, my experience has been, you know, the the kids' experience around veganism. They feel so good about it. I mean, of course, they you know they wish other people wouldn't eat animals, right? But it's not. It's never been so far. At least it's never been a, a point of like, oh, this is a burden or this is a problem socially or any of those things. It's the opposite. You know, they feel really yeah. like happy and empowered by it. Well, and, and you're saving animals when you, if you're not yeah. eating animals, you are saving them. And, um, you know, I can't forget the, you know, if you're vegan, vegetarian for a year, you save how many cows and all these right, things. Right. Yeah. It's like 86 animals total. Or yeah. Like yeah. And, um, so when the kids were little, you know, we, we rescued a, a veal calf, uh, from one of the horse auctions we were at and it was, he was $5 and, um, I, I can't talk too much about him because he, he did recently pass away. He was 12 years old. Oh, wow. And, um, it just uh, breaks my heart. But because we, we raised him from a baby with the kids and they learned that compassion and, you know, 
this the milk is for you know baby cows and this is mm-hmm. this is milk for him and you know he he was thrown away because of the milk industry yeah you know his mommy had to give milk to people instead of taking care of him and and stuff so i was able to explain all that um you know and they were a part of feeding him and and all that so i think that was kind of during their, you know, their transition time. So I think that kind of maybe helped make yeah. connection where they could, they could see it firsthand. Um, and that, you know, if we hadn't rescued him, he would have been killed. Right. And right. So a lot of people don't think about the impact of they're like, Oh, well, I'll be vegetarian, but I'll still drink milk and, you know, cheese and this stuff. But I mean, the dairy industry has so much cruelty in it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like the milk thing, I'm trying to think with my own kids, like they seem to get that pretty quick. Um, Now, of course we didn't have the, like being able to go hug a calf, which sounds amazing. (laughs) But I think um, that idea that it's like the milk is for the babies and the people are taking the babies away, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just so humans can have milk, like immediately the kids are like, like, why do people do that? You know, like that logic was was quick for them. My um, husband's always like, you know, uh, we're older, we're weaned, we don't need an animal's milk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you're big now, you don't need that. Yeah, you're not a baby. Well, especially like a certain age, kids like being called a baby is like the absolute mm-hmm. worst thing they could <laughs> they could be called. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, I'm not a baby. Like, I don't, I don't. Yeah, know. We, don't we don't need cow's milk. <laughs> yes. Um, so it sounds like your kind of integration of all those values and teaching those to the kids and bringing on that next generation of rescue, right. And, and sort of vegan values was pretty smooth. It, it was, um, I mean, a lot of hard work. I mean, if you have somebody that's operating a rescue and then has four little kids, yeah, you know, all like a year apart and that's uh-huh. that's a lot to do and i remember one time i was like how am i gonna do this and i was like just hang in there you can do this um so you know the nice thing was you know both my husband and i we've been rescuing full-time um mm-hmm. my husband's had part-time jobs off and on but you know we've always been able to be there for the kids mm-hmm. and and the rescue at the same time you know since like 2006 Okay. Um, so that, you know, that's made it way easier raising, you know, kids up with rescue at the same, same, you know, so, I mean, we're going to auction, we've got four kids in tow and, you know, it is, there's definitely challenges. I can, I can tell you that definitely challenges. I mean, not the least of what's being like getting everybody in the car on time, I assume. Uh, like. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, for a while there, I was like, okay, let's just get a hotel room. And I'll stay with the kids in the hotel room and you can go get the horses because it's just a nightmare having all these little kids all over the place at one time. Make sure they don't get hurt because yeah, they get stepped on big animals and they can kick and cause a lot of damage. So um, yeah, it was definitely much happier as the kids got older and I'm like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing a little bit better. But when they were all really young, it was definitely very challenging. So what would you tell parents who are maybe new parents or new vegans or newly considering being vegan about like just sort of having been there, you know, having kind of lived that and really integrated into your life in a way that, you know, is really kind of out there, like in terms of like, it's not like you had to 
tied to your vegan value, right? It is the life you are living, right? Like it's just mm -hmm. something that yeah. I think is, you know, kind of swimming in the water for the, the kids in your house. And I think that's the question of, I think most people who come to this issue are kind of like, well, what does this look like? Or how is this going to affect them? Or is it really going to be, you know, hard or any of those things? Like, what would you give? What kind of advice would you give to? Um, so anyone that's, you know, becoming a vegan, I mean, it's so easy nowadays. I mean, there's so much vegan food out there. But really being honest with your kids about the reality of where the food comes from. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you if you try to cover it up and be like, oh, the chicken comes from a, a box or whatever from the grocery store, you really have to be honest and open and really, you know, I mean, this world has a lot of really rough things in it. And if we try to prevent our kids from knowing any of it when it comes to, I mean, their food, what they're putting in their mouth every day, when you teach a child, you know, this is a little animal and we love it and all this stuff mm -hmm. and that it's not food and really focus on the compassion part of that animal. Like, you know, this is the, yeah. you have to be compassionate. We don't want to hurt this animal. Um, I think, you know, really just focusing in with that with your kids of, you know, this is why we're doing it. This is, we don't want to hurt this little animal. I mean, if you have a pet animal, you know, you know, we wouldn't want to eat something like our dog. You know, in other countries, they eat dogs. We don't do yeah. that. We don't want to eat other animals either, you know, so they can connect that, okay, this is why we're we're eating this, you know, this food. We're eating tofu instead of eggs or, you yeah. know, so something like that is just really explaining it. And um, I know when, when early, early thing, but it made a huge impact on me. Um, it, and my parents are like, okay, don't, don't come, you know, go play in your room. Don't watch. We're going to be watching something. And of course I'm like, well, what are we, what are they going to watch? And it's they're like, oh, it's just about food and health and nutrition and stuff. But of course, once they had it playing, I, I, I snuck around the corner and it was um, a video and it was early, early undercover footage of in a slaughterhouse. Mm -hmm. it was, I think it was called, do you know what you're eating back in the nineties? Mm -hmm. And I remember speaking around the corner watching that and I was like, you know, yeah, no way I would want to participate in the torture that those animals are going through by eating them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not recommending that you, you pull up a, a, a video like that, but if you're able to explain it in a way where they can grasp it and if they're old enough, I mean, it might be, okay to show them a little bit of, I mean, there's some really tasteful stuff done out there now where it's not so gruesome, but it really can describe what, why there's so much suffering in the major animal food chains. And, you know, we don't want to, you know, fund it by purchasing those items. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be a part of it in any way. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, eggs are, you have your own chickens and, and stuff, but you, you end up crossing a line if you're like, well, I'll eat eggs here, but not here. And then you're somewhere else and you're right. like, oh, I'll just, I'll eat it now. And if you're doing it for the animals, you just, you just don't cross that line of yeah. that you're going to start down a path where it makes it acceptable to do it here and there when ultimately are supporting a large chain of animal abuse.
because you know if you bought hens from a a hatchery all those male chicks that were the right. brothers they got ground up alive i mean yeah. it's, i just i sometimes i sit back and i'm like how on earth is this stuff legal that happens yeah um, because it's behind closed doors and that's there's so much in the you know those gag laws where they don't want people taking pictures and stuff. Yeah. They know if people actually found out the reality of the situation of what these animals are going through to end up on your plate, then nobody would touch it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I what I'm kind of hearing that I, that I'm sort of thinking about my own experience and, you know, work and as a parent and everything. And, you know, it, this information really is empowering, right? Like I hear your story about like, you know, watching the undercover footage years ago. I, and I watched, um, I think in high school, um, Meet Your Meat, which was PETA's mm -hmm. uh, compilation video. And it was narrated by Alec Baldwin. That was like a big thing. I remember actually using it on my college boyfriend and being like, you need to watch this. Like, this is why I don't eat meat kind of thing. And he's like, okay, me neither. <laughs> like, I'm done. Um, and I think some for some people, it does sort of click in like that. Um, but I think the point being that maybe people who are, who are a little hesitant to really give information to children like that um, is, is because they're, they're seeing it as a burden and not as an empowering thing. And I really have, in my experience at least, seen it as more of an empowering thing, right? Like once you understand, then you can you know, make choices to kind of align with what you feel and what you think. And I think that's, people maybe underestimate kids and their ability to do that. Um, but it sounds yeah. like that's that that's the core of it is it's the information like they really mm -hmm. do need that. And then, of course, having an environment that's, you know, accepting and nurturing and, and all of those yeah. things. But if you don't understand what's going on, like, how do you expect, you know, them to make these these kinds of decisions? Because they really are important decisions, you know, I mean, to decide what you care about and what your life is going to be. And then, you know, for a parent is taking every opportunity to take your your kids where they can go you know, in a humane setting, like an animal sanctuary or something where they can go and meet a cow, yeah. and, you know, maybe feed a calf and, you know, make that connection. Because um, for me, growing up, you know, vegan and not ever looking at an animal as, you know, food, if you're making that transition, make sure your kids are connecting with that animal. Yeah. Not that you can't have this anymore. This is why we don't want to eat this because it would hurt an animal just like this. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad the sanctuary movement is kind of part of that. I assume with you, with your rescue, like you're getting people coming and interacting with animals that they're usually not kind of interacting with. And th I'm sure those yeah. stories are fun. Yeah, I mean, COVID kind of, we had to kind of stop our just open visitors uh -huh. um, with, you know, COVID. I mean, it's it's rough on everybody. Um, but, you know, we are open to, you know, some, some tours, but mainly adoptions right now, making mm -hmm. sure people come in and adopt horses. But COVID definitely has put a change on everything. Yeah, hopefully. Well, that's the other thing too. It's an opportunity to kind of talk about how pandemics happen and mm -hmm. all that. Yeah. So um, so Mother's Day is coming up and I kind of want to close just by asking you, yeah. um, you know, obviously you have tons of experience as a mother and, you know, um, in the sort of the nurturing side of the animals too, right? The human children and then all the, the animals that you've taken care of. So, um, what to you makes Mother's Day sort of special or what do you think about on this occasion and what would your ideal Mother's Day look like? Hmm. Wow, fun questions. Um, so 
historically, I have the worst luck picking dates for events. <laughs> so I have had some of our huge adoption events on Mother's Day. And I mean, just I'm like, oh, man, it's Mother's Day. Well, it, it worked right on the calendar and we'll just have it then. And um, so I mean, and I know the moms loved it having a big adoption event on Mother's Day where, you know, I mean, you come get a horse for Mother's Day. and That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, we've, we've, we've done that before. Um, I think the main thing to, you know, if I was going to say the perfect Mother's Day would just be with my family enjoying the day together. Um, I think so much in the animal rescue world, we work so hard and we see so much just horrendous things out there happening with animals that it is extremely important to take that time to, to step away from it and really absorb yourself in nature, or, you know, just being out there with your family or a river, because you do need that break to recharge. Um, because if you're constantly absorbed in so much cruelty, it, it, it does really affect you. And usually rescuers, they, they start a rescue and within six years they're burnt out and they're, mm -hmm. They're just, they can't handle it anymore. So, you know, really we have, okay, every Saturday is our day. It's our family day. I mean, unless there's emergency, obviously we're going to be for emergency, but we need that time to be able to take away, to spend time with family, to connect. Because if we don't do that, we're not going to be serving our, our animals. We're not going to be serving our, our, our human family. And then ultimately we can lose the light that we do have of being able to be a voice for these animals. Yeah. So ideal Mother's Day would just be probably a day out on the lake or river with the family and kids and just taking a breather. That sounds amazing. I hope you get that exact day. Yeah. Well, you know, my husband's in the next office over and I'm sure he's listening maybe. So. <laughs> I hope he's taking notes right now. Yes, yes, hopefully. <laughs> Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really, I mean, I really like the the kind of practice of these these ideals, right? I mean, a lot of us kind of think, oh, you know, we're gonna, um, you know, help our kids sort of be more compassionate and and um, think about the vegan issues and stuff. But you're right in there, like rescuing the animals, you know, bring children into your home that are, you know, that have special needs that in like really raising them and bringing them all together into this unified unit. And it's just something that I, I it's just so great to hear these stories. And yeah, well, that's, you know, that's so awesome. That's it makes me want to go spend some time with horses and calves. And yeah, <laughs> okay. if, if you ever anyone, you know, if you're watching this, you have the opportunity to, to spend some time with, you know, a calf, uh, or, you know, actually able to rescue one if you have some land. Um, cows are so amazing and intelligent and, um, I just, I have this huge, I mean, I love horses, but for cows, I have this big love for cows because they are, they're so intelligent. If you take like a horse and a, a cow, their personality wise, like the, the horse would be like the cat and uh -huh. the cow would be more like the dog, like, um, that, the one that we rescued that we, we lost recently. I can't talk about him too much, but I could call his name. I'd be like, Percy, you know, anywhere on the 25 acres. And he always lift up his head like, where are you? Uh, you know, they're just, they're so intelligent. And that's where it just, you know, it's in factory farming, they're just so abused and and they never, they never get to be who they truly 
we're created to be is, you know, a very intelligent creature that wants to connect with people. Yeah, yeah, I always think about that, like, you know, watching like slaughter footage, for example, you know, I think the reason that we exploit cows in particular is because they are so sweet, we exploit that sweetness, mm-hmm. you know, and they're so kind of gentle and, you know, trusting and everything. And then when you see them out in an environment like a sanctuary where they are, they can be themselves, you know, mm-hmm. they like to play with balls, they, you know, they have friendships, mm-hmm. they kind of like, they have such personalities and, you know, really keeping that in mind when you watch this other footage, I think, kind of, you know, it gives you that full picture instead of what we're cultured to be, which is, you know, whatever, right, not even think about it kind of thing. So this is an opportunity, I think, to do that. But what people don't get, I think, is factory farming is the way that, Mm -hmm. you know, food gets to grocery stores and restaurants, right? I mean, it's just, that's the way that meat, milk, and eggs are produced. And you know, as, as hard as it is for people to understand some of these issues because there's, you know, it's so hard to watch the violence and all of that. Like, I think it's really important for people to educate themselves about that because otherwise, you know, we're all being taken for a ride by these big companies mm-hmm. that, as you say, keep it behind closed yeah. doors. So I think yeah. being able to sensitize yourself to what these animals are really like, you know, is such a positive way to do that, you know, kids or adults. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can never watch a slaughter video. If you're living in a bubble, you're never going to know why somebody else, like on our side, is so passionate about what we do because we've seen it. And, you know, I mean, if you've seen it firsthand, I mean, it's just horrific, the stuff that happens. And if you're wanting to live in a little bubble where you're not actually seeing the reality of it, you're never going to really comprehend why you shouldn't why you should change your diet where you're not supporting that cruelty. Well, and I think don't forget when you're thinking about changing your diet for anyone who's listening, who's kind of in that boat, like, you know, there's a, there's an empowerment and a happiness to it on the other side. You know, I think people, you know, worry that, Oh, it'll be deprivation or whatever, but (laughs) vegans don't, we don't feel that way. Like that's not, that's not what it's really like, you know? One thing my mom always told me, she's like, we don't want to be a walking graveyard for animals. Yes, exactly. exactly. (laughs) I'm like, oh, no, that's terrible. They're so visual. There's so much. (laughs) There's such a mental image there. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's, we need to be conscious about our food. And especially with so much, you know, cancer and all these diseases that can be linked back to these food items. And, you know, if auctions are public, for people to go to, you know, take the time and go to an auction, you know, whether it's a cattle auction, sheep auction, and, you know, you'll see things there that will will really wake you up. Like, wow, you know, I remember, and this is, you know, my mom, you know, with me and my brother growing up, you know, trying to always instill in us, she's like, you know, when I went to an auction, when I was a kid, a cow came through with a huge tumor Mm -hmm. and Burger King, supplier bought it and so then that sick diseased animal is going into the human food chain yeah and you know that is i mean so many so many sick animals are at auctions and you think okay then they're then they're slaughtered and then you're eating that sick animal mm-hmm. we need to be eating healthy food and um there's so much healthy plant-based food out there um you know cows grow really big eating a vegan yeah diet. So, yeah, I'll kind of leave it with this. I remember uh, the first time I ever met um, 
a male Holstein who had grown to full size because it was another rescue from, you know, a sort of veal calf rescue from the dairy industry. There's a picture of me standing next to him and he's like taller, like his withers are like taller than me. Yeah. And I, every time I showed that to like my, you know, friends and family, like, oh my God, <laughs> I had no idea that they got that big. I just love that. Like, there's just something about that, that like, you know, in a normal, you know, in the, the sort of horrible status quo out there, he would never be able to grow his full size. Yeah, he yeah. is like in this field, just like this huge, yeah, huge so guy. I just love that. Yeah. So people just need to think about, you know, every animal deserves respect and, you know, if, if you wouldn't eat one animal, why is that? Because they all experience pain, they all feel, and they all have, you know, a purpose that is not being eaten. Yes, exactly. That's a perfect, perfect thing to, to end on. So thank you so much. I really appreciate this great conversation. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to, you know, be able to talk about it because I'm so much always just horse side of it so this has been great well we love the horse side too yes we love we love the horses but it's important to talk about food and what we're eating yeah it's all it's all connected you know yep, absolutely